Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. A desperate desire for all fathers who long to be spiritual should be to obtain a wisdom from God. I believe a desire should be there for every father to have wisdom. We live in a day where foolishness is overlooked and honor, especially among men. Uh, the role of the man in society have been depraved and degraded. For some men, it's okay not to lead your family. It's okay to neglect your wife and children. It's okay not to provide for your family. It's okay to obey, abuse your spouse. It's okay to leave your family. It's okay to get a divorce. Many of the things have become norm in our society. For example, I think about Mr. Johnny Depp. I mean, you know that actor, raise your hand, all right? This gentleman who is very famous and very successful in his career was uh, just found that he was abusing his wife. And uh, as Mrs. Depp is dealing with lawyer and grief, and through this trial in her life, guess where Mr. Deb was last week? In the Bahamas. It's amazing how many people just simply do not care about the consequences of their carelessness. And, and as we think about men in society, they simply do not care not only about the spiritual, but also about their character. And it is embedded in our society today, and it's prevalent in our neighborhood, and uh, we see it even at work, and uh, we see it in our media, and it's becoming the norm. And we need to recognize that this is total foolishness. It's not wise, and it's not of God. So as Christians, we need to Long for wisdom to be faithful to our families, to provide for our families, to protect and to honor our spouse and to lead our families. And this wisdom could only come from our God. The Word of God says in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. In James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of who? God. That give it all men liberally, and abradeth not, it shall be given him. And God's wisdom is not of this world. And there is a strong contrast between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. Many people could boast themselves about how wise they are in their finances, and maybe in their career, and and maybe uh, 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 just in their riches and their status quo of life. But I want you to understand that the wisdom of God is far from that. It's more deeper, and it's more heavenly. I think about James chapter 3, look at verse 15 and 16 on the next screen. This wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. So there is devilish wisdom, there is sensual wisdom, there is earthly wisdom. Now in the context, James is talking about division and hatred among Christians. And then if you look at verse 16 though, he explains what true wisdom is about. What heavenly wisdom does in verse 17. But the wisdom that is above is first pure. 
then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. So heavenly wisdom has nothing to do with just simply finances, with money and career. It's not about that. Heavenly wisdom has a great impact on relationship. You see that in the scripture. It's very obvious that wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, relationship, gentle, relationship, easy to be entreated, relationship, full of mercy and good fruit, relationship, without partiality, relationship, and without hypocrisy, relationship. Now, of course, the greatest relationship that we have is with our God, amen? We're supposed to love our God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our strength, with all of our minds. We understand that that is the first relationship that we need to have. Now, if you have never received Christ as your personal Savior, make sure you get that straightened out. Make sure that you are born again. Make sure you have your relationship with God through our Savior, Jesus Christ. There is only one mediator between God and men. His name is Christ Jesus. And if you have never received Christ, receive him as your Savior. He's the one who died for you on the cross. He's the one that could forgive your sins. And he's the one that rose again from the, uh, uh, from the grave on the third day. And he is making intercession for this world. And he is willing for you to be part of his eternal eternity. And if you just simply trust him. So that relationship is very important in wisdom. But not only that, we need wisdom with our family relationship. And as we think about what James wrote, how we need peace, gentleness, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And we as men need, as fathers today, we need the wisdom of God so that we may take care of our families so that we may take care of our children without hypocrisy and without uh, partiality. And we need wisdom and mercy and good fruit with our uh, spouse and, and also gentleness and peace and also purity. We need all these so that we could be wise fathers. And as men and fathers today, we have a daunting task, not just with our personal responsibility as parents, but what kind of society our kids are growing up in. There are a lot of pressure in this world. We live in an internet age where everyone can know everything on their own. Due to the World Wide Web, some people do not need pastors. Some people do not need mentors. Some people do not need teachers. Some people do not need parents. Our young people, such as myself, as a generation Y part of the millennial, they often ask the question, why? Okay. And they happen to find their own answers on the internet, from media, from other sources. I remember watching an old movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Have you ever seen that? Raise your hand, okay? And uh, I love that movie. That's one of my favorites. And uh, I remember watching that for the first time. I was thinking, this is black and white movie. I mean, Come on, it's going to be so boring. My wife is saying, this is a good movie. You should watch it. And I said, all right. And then after I finished it, oh, man, I had tears in my eyes. Amen. All right. And uh, it was just a good, wholesome movie and one of my favorites to this day. 
But I remember when uh, uh, the main character, when he was a young boy, and uh, he had a question, who did he go to? He had a little dilemma, and he's like, I didn't know what to do. So what does he do? He goes to his father. Dad would know. That was his first, okay? That was his priority. He says, Dad will know. He didn't go to his employer. He didn't go to his brothers. He didn't go to uh, neighbors or anybody else. He says, I'm going to go to Dad. Dad knows. Dad's my counselor. Dad's my mentor. He's the leader in the home. I want to know what he's thinking about. And as we live in the society, that is somewhat depraved now. Many of our children don't go to Dad in their teen years. In their college years, they go on the internet. It's a lot of pressure. It's hard to deal, to deal with. And it, it, it's harder as parents to parent in this society. Because the generation Y is asking why all the time. I heard about a young boy who had just gotten his driving permit, and he asked his father, who was a minister, a pastor, if they could just discuss the use of the car. His father took him to his study and said to him, Now, son, I'll make you a deal with you. You bring your grades up, study your Bible a little, and get your hair cut, and we'll talk about it. After a month, the boy came back again and asked his father if they could discuss the use of the car. They, began, went to, uh, they, they again went to the father's study and where his father said, Now, son, I've been real proud of you. You have brought your grades up. You studied your Bible, but sorry, you didn't get your hair cut. The young man waited a moment and replied, You know, Dad, I've been thinking about that. You know, Samson had long hair, Moses had probably long hair, and Noah probably had long hair, and maybe even Jesus had long hair, in which the father replied, And yes, you're right. They also walked everywhere. We men need wisdom like that, amen, all right? But I'm just simply saying this morning that we, we have a great challenge. A younger generation like myself, we're not going to just go to dad first. We're going to question dad, maybe even, because of the, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the great, uh, I guess, uh, revelation that media has and internet has. And sometimes it's going to conflict with the biblical principles that we hold dear. And we need wisdom in how to take care of our families and mentor our children in this hard day. And Job is well-known man as a man who endured the theme of how, why do the righteous suffer outside of Christ. And the whole book is a dialogue between his friend and also his Jehovah God about the state of suffering. But before the dialogue, we, we could see a, a great lesson from this man's family life. He certainly had wisdom in leading his family and also being a father to his children. And I'll just briefly share with you for the next 15 minutes. What are we to learn from Job's parenting? I'd like to share with you four clear testimonies of Job that we need to learn and apply in our lives and how wise he was as a father. And first of all, let's consider Job's past. Job's past. In verse 1, look what the Bible says. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. Now, there's not much mention about Job's past, but this phrase here helps us to understand where he's coming from. First, a man in the land of where? Some scholars agree that Job lived after the flood and before the law. 
after the flood, since the uh, since he only saw four generations before he passed away, because before the flood, many men lived eight hundred years and nine hundred years, and. And we see that uh, Job, at the end of his life, uh, he only gained another 140 years. So he, didn't, he only saw four generations in his life. And uh, we see that he didn't live too long. So he must have been after the flood. And before the law, since he offered his own sacrifice, the altar, he didn't go to a, a priest in uh, Israel somewhere or uh, meet Moses in the wilderness. No, he had his own sacrifice, the altar, just like the man before Noah. And uh, uh, as we think about uh, this background, it's very clear that uh, this man lived between, uh, 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 I'm sorry, between after the flood and before the law. So the land of Uz as well is very significant because this land is associated with where the Edomites live. I'm sure many of you heard the country of Edom, the nation of Edom. And Edom are the descendants of who? Esau. In Lamentation chapter 4, verse 21, the Bible says, Rejoice and be glad, O daughters of Edom, that dwellest in the land of Uz. So this could... Uh, uh, so this could be that uh, Job's background was an Edomite. He was a man of the east, uh, a descendant of Shem, but a descendant of Esau. Esau was a man who sold his own birthright for a pottage of lentils, for a pottage of soup. He was a weak man. He was a lustful man. He was a, just a, a man uh, for the moment, not for uh, eternity, not for what God has promised him. He just wanted to satisfy his own soul. And he was a uh, man who was selfish, and uh, he sold his own birthright that way. And, of course, God was not pleased. And this could, this could have been uh, the background of Job. Uh, that was his forefather, Esau. Not only that, this man was named Job. Now, what does Job mean? It means hated or persecuted. Now, in the scripture, it is very common to see parents naming their children based on the, on the present condition of life at the time of their son's birth. And Joseph named his sons that way. Remember that? Ephraim and Manasseh, remember that? And uh, also Jabez was named that way because his mother, uh, who bore him, uh, was burying him with sorrow. They had a lot of different trials in her life. And, and she said, I'm going to name him Jabez. And I think about Benjamin was almost named Benoni, meaning uh, a son of my sorrow, because Rachel had a hard labor and uh, wanted to bring for, uh, 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 had a hard labor and had a, uh, had a troubled time burying that son, Benjamin. And of course, his name was Benjamin after Jabez. Jacob found that, that she wanted to name him Benoni, and uh, Benjamin means uh, a son of my right hand. But we see in the scripture over and over again, parents naming their children based on what the condition was in their life. And Job was named. His name means persecuted or hated. Could it be, uh, maybe it could have been that Job's parents had some trials in their lives where they were persecuted, where they were hated among men. So we see Job coming from this type of background. 
maybe as an Edomite and as a man of descendant who was somewhat outcast by God's blessing. And also we see a man who grew up with persecution, with hatred, and his parents had to face all that. And with all this background in mind, Job decided not to have his background dictate the future. He said, I am not going to just live in shame and mediocrity. No, I'm going to serve my joy of a God with the pureness of heart and with the upright position. I'm going to fear the Lord and I'm going to serve him faithfully. And he said, I'm going to do what my fathers didn't do. I'm not going to just be pitiful about my life because of my upbringing and how I was named. No, I'm going to live for God today and I'm going to rear my children in the right direction. What a wonderful father. Many fathers have insecurity these days. They come from a divided home. Their parents got divorced. They have insecurity in themselves. Maybe uh, the parents died early and they had some different trials. They had some different upbringings that really uh, get them discouraged in some times in their lives. But I want you to understand you might be in the same uh, position as Job, but uh, let us recognize that we have the same God as well that could help us, that could encourage us, that could help us to rear the next generation in the right way. Do not let your background dictate, dictate, uh, dictate your future. And make sure you live for God. Don't get your past to write your testimony of God of the future. And Job, in every way, wanted to be a spiritual man. He didn't want to be foolish. He wanted to be a wise man, a wise father, who wanted to change some things in the next generation. Secondly, not only Job's path, but Job's position with God. In verse 1, And that man was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and his Jew with evil. You know, Job had a great position among men, an honorable and respectable position. And uh, look at this verse with me of Job's testimony. Job says this about himself. You go to Job, I believe, 29. There he goes, and we look at verse 7. This is Job's testimony before all the suffering. This is who he was. Look what he says. When I went out to the gate through the city, when I prepared my seat in the street, the young men saw me and hid themselves. And the aged arose and stood up. The princes refrained talking and laid their hand on their mouth. The nobles held their peace and their tongue cleaved to the roof of their mouth. When Job came into the scene, people were speechless. Wow, there's a man. A great man of the East. Even the princes who were in high position, they refrained from talking. The children ran away, hid themselves. Even the older men, the ancient men, the aged men, stood up in respect of Job's testimony. Job was a great man in his day. He had a great position. But I believe he had a greater position, and that position was with God. God confirms this. Look at Job chapter 1, look at verse 8 on the screen. And the Lord said unto Satan, 
Has thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feared God, and is true with evil? You see, Job was nothing without God. It was because he was perfect and upright man in God's sight. It was because he feared God. It was because he stewed evil that he had the position in his time. Why was he so respected among men? Why was he so respected uh, uh, in his, uh, 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 I guess, uh, 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 social uh, status. Why was he so respected by the princes and even the Asian men? Because he had the favor of God. He had the greater position with his Lord. And he had a, a perfect and upright heart who feared God and is true with evil. And these gentlemen, I want you to understand, without your spiritual life, whatever you have on the side, it means nothing. You need to make sure you have the right position with God first. Many men just want the easy way, which is actually the hard way. They always want the physical and the position of the world before the spiritual. No, it has to be the spiritual first if you're a born-again Christian. And I want you to understand and fear what happened to Lot. Lot wanted a position in society. I want to be respected in Sodom and Gomorrah. I want to sit by the gate and give counsel. I want to do all these things. But at the end, he had nothing left. His sons-in-law laughed at him. He dwelt in caves. Why? Because his position with God was not right first. He had it backwards. I want the position with men. And then maybe I'll catch up with God later. No, no, no. You don't do that, man. Fathers, husband. You gotta have you gotta have that relationship with God and that fellowship with God very close. And you need to make sure your heart is upright, you fear God is true with evil, and make sure that position is correct, and then you'll be blessed. Job's position with God. How is your position with God? Not your position at work. Not your position in your career. Your position with God. Doesn't matter how much you make each year. How rich you are. How's your position with God? At the end, you might lose it all. Job lost it all. But his position with God was still there. Amen. You live for money, but you have nothing left at the end. I'm just simply saying, make sure your relation with God is correct, it's pure, it's right. I'm talking to ladies as well. Make sure your relation with God is always pure and godly too. As a mother or wife. Any single people, make sure you're getting ready for your family by having the right position with God right now. Joe's position. Number three, Joe's prosperity. We need to think about Job's prosperity in relation to his family because this was God's blessing toward Job, and Job knew it. And uh, it says he had children, and they were born unto them seven sons and three daughters. He had ten kids. The Bible says in Psalm 127, verse 3, Lo, children are heirs of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. The, you know, I wonder if fathers see it this way. I wonder if we see it this way. Do we see our children as a blessing from God, or do we see them as a burden? 
Sometimes we get frustrated, but let's make sure we assess the situation. Hey, the children that God has given us are blessings from the Lord. And let's make sure that we embrace this and make sure we count them as God's heritage to us. And let's make sure we are good steward and make sure that we are not careless about their lives. And then secondly, he has substance. Look at verse 3. He substance also with 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses and very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the East. And as we look at Job's list of substances and blessings, I think we need to know what was the greatest substance that he had? If you go back again, uh, the screen before, he, the Bible mentions all these different lively stocks. But look at verse 3. His substance also was 7,000 what? Sheep. He had more sheep than oxen or camels or any other animals. He had 7,000 sheep. I believe that's very significant. What, 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 and the most, as we think about this, the most important sacrificial offering was a sheep, wasn't it? The Passover, for an example. Job had prioritized his substance in how he could, he could honor God. He wanted to make sure that he had enough sheep for the, sacrifice, for the sacrifice to come. And if you look at it later, he was always ready to sacrifice. My son might have, might have sinned. Let me give some sacrifice. Why did he have more sheep than camels or oxen or any other animals? I think he had prioritized his substance, his goods, his finances, based on how he could honor God. For some people, they want to prioritize their substance, their goods, their finances based on how they could honor themselves. Job was very prosperous. But in the scripture, it's very obvious that he had prioritized his life based on how he, how he could honor the Lord and, and give glory to God. And ladies and gentlemen, as we think about this, let's recognize that the Bible says not Job's riches, but Job's substance. Why? Because everything that he had was simply borrowed. It wasn't his to just enjoy. No, it was his to be a good steward of. He has substance. Not riches and gold, no. He has substance so that he could use it for the Lord. And when, Job, when God took away everything, and Job understood this in Job chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, and Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, naked shall I to turn hither. And the Lord gave and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. For Job, it wasn't about how much he had in substance. No, it was about how much he was right with God. And if he has substance, hey, I want to be right with God concerning my substance. His priority was being right with God all the time. 
And ladies and gentlemen, what are you, what are you doing with your prosperity? How is your children seeing your stewardship and what God has given you? Do you just use it for your own glory, for your own honor? I hope your children see how you use your substance for the, glo- for the glory of God. Fathers, we need to teach that to our children. Next, Joe's priority. I'm done. He had overcome his past. He had the right position with God. He had the prosperity and honor God. But he had the right priority, of course, number one is just honoring God, but also rearing his children. And if you look at letter A, he was concerned. His son went and feasted in their house, everyone his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. So they had a party. And it was so in the days of their feasting. I mean, it wasn't just a one-day party. It was day after day after day after day after day. He had how many sons? Seven sons. Okay, at least seven days of feasting. Just doing nothing. Living for pleasure. And then, uh, verse 5, was so when the days of their feastings were gone, about that Job sent and sanctified them, rose up early in the morning, offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, and it be that my sons have what? Sinned and cursed God in their what? In their hearts. As Job was rich, his sons were probably also very rich. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Maybe even spoiled. Having seven days of feasting. And as I read this portion of Job, what Job did, he was afraid that his sons might have sinned and cursed God. Now, why would his children curse God when they're having a, a feast, eating and drinking? Well, I thought of this verse in Proverbs 30, verse 8. Look on the screen. Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food, what? Convenient for me. In verse 9, lest I be full and deny thee and say, what? Who is the Lord? And lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. And, and uh, I, I'm just guessing here, maybe that the, 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 the sons of Job might have cursed God this way. Who is the Lord? We are full, we're having fees, we're having this party, and we have all the goods that we want. Who is the Lord? Now, they might have cursed God a different way. I'm not sure, but I, this could be an example. Because these sons were spoiled, I, I believe. And, uh, and, and they were having this feast, drinking and eating, living it up. And Job was very concerned. And by the way, fathers, let's not spoil our children, amen? Let's make sure we teach them how to work. Let's make sure that they appreciate what they have. Not always wanting. And let's make sure we teach them the right priority of God in their lives. That God is the one who blesses them. And that he could also simply take it away. And some fathers are not concerned about their children. Long as they pay the bills. Long as their finances are straight. They're not concerned about the heart of their children. Job was so concerned that he went out of his way to give sacrifice for each of his sons. I'm sure he had his favorite, maybe. I'm sure he he thought maybe, okay, maybe that one didn't 
sin against the Lord. No, he wanted to make sure that every one of them was right with God. So he interceded for them. Would you intercede for your children in prayer and sacrifice? So with that, he continued, verse 5, thus did Job, what? Continually. For Job, his leadership over his children was continual. These sons already had their home, each of them. His sons went and feasted in their houses, everyone his day. So these sons were not just teenagers. They had their own house. They had their own mansions, maybe. They had their own livelihood. They had their own, maybe even children, their spouse. They had their own home. They were grown men. And Job was concerned about them, and he continually prayed for them and engaged in their spiritual life. And as fathers, parenting never stops. It could never stop. My mom is still concerned about me. I'm 34 years old. You know. She calls me up, what'd you eat for dinner? I'm 34 years old. Now, those are little things, but she is concerned about my spiritual life. She would text me sometimes about, you know, scripture out of nowhere in Korean. So I have to do, I have to, I have to, I have to prepare. I have to, like, you know, focus, you know, more attentively trying to read Korean, you know. Sometimes my birthday card is just scripture. It doesn't even say happy birthday, son. Just scripture. Why? Because she is concerned about my spiritual life. And, uh, you know, I never had a spiritual father. He died in 1992, passed away early when I was only 10 years old. He got saved, thank God for that. But I I don't remember his voice. Uh, Lydia and I were talking the other day, and Lydia remembers his voice. I don't remember his voice. And when I get to heaven, Jimmy, how are you? (laughs) Surprise me. Whoa, Dad, you have a deep voice. But anyways... (laughs) Uh, but you know, I don't remember really his really personality, and I just hear things from my sister or, or from my from my mom. Never had a spiritual dad, and by the grace of God, you know that helps me. You might be thinking that might be something that hinders me. No, it helps me and challenges me to be a better father for my children. And by the grace of God, I'm here for my children. I'm living. I breathe. I'm alert. I'm not sick. I'm healthy. I'm here for my children. And I want to be spiritual. I want to be godly. And I want to encourage you this morning to consider Job's testimony. He had a past, but he didn't have his background dictate his future. Job had a position, not just among men, but with God first. He had prosperity, but his prosperity was based on in honoring God. And then lastly, he had a pride for his children. He was concerned, and he continued. Keep continuing, fathers. Keep continuing, all Christians, to live for God. And fear him, it's true evil, be perfect and upright.